Hey, Pastor Susan. Hey, Pastor Joel. Welcome, Sunnyside listeners, to another podcast about the New Testament. It's good to be back with First Peter. And I think last week we uh, paused partway through chapter two in order to make sure that we were able to fit all of our conversation in the time that we want to keep it within. So um, we're returning to First Peter again, um, and we, we get to confront some piece of the text that's challenging. Some uncomfortable parts, right? Yeah. Some pieces that if you just take, you know, if you prove text and take just certain sentences yeah. and certain text from the scripture and apply it to situations, it can be really, well, I mean, it's hard to hear, frankly, as a woman, right? Sure. To read through some of these household codes about wives and husbands, it's hard to hear it. And, um, and reading about slavery, it's hard to hear it in there. And, um, so it takes a little bit of, of application and, and digestion and kind of contemplation, I think, to come mm -hmm. to a point to hear it in its whole. Yeah. And it's, it, 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 as, as you were mentioning, like, I think that these can not only be hard to hear, but they can, they have been used to harm. Mm -hmm. um, so as we kind of get into these texts, uh, we want to hold them very gently, mm -hmm. knowing that, you know, these are texts that were used on the Southern side of the American civil war to justify mm -hmm. human, human chattel slavery. Um, these are passages yeah. that are used by some of our siblings in Christ to mm -hmm. keep women from exercising God-given mm -hmm. gifts of leadership, mm -hmm. whether in the home or in the church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and and it's this is not just a in the past situation. It's also in the present. That's so right. as yep. teaching elders, both of us, I know we want to be careful. These, mm -hmm. This is one of those handled with care sort of moments. Right. right. And it's yeah to come to these moments um, and to bring I, I mean, for myself, I bring a, a bias in that you know, I do believe that this is the word of God. It is living and active and applicable for us today. And so, again, to just read some of these on their face. It, it just stings a little. I'd rather not even hear it, mm -hmm. but that's where it's important. Like in any, um, it, you know, in any conversation with any um, kind of teaching moment, you know, hearing the whole, not just right. a piece, but that's understanding right. the whole argument, lest we misapply, yeah. misunderstand. We cannot be soundbite Bible readers. Right. Um, right. Because otherwise, yeah, that's exactly what we miss it. Yeah. We miss the context. Yeah. And, and context is not trying to dress up a passage mm -hmm. so that it doesn't mean what it should mean. Context mm -hmm. is actually getting deeper into the weeds of what was what was Peter trying to communicate mm -hmm. with his hearers. Mm -hmm. And so with all that in mind, let's see if we can get some context. Let's let's jump in. Um, I, I wanted to start actually, I don't know if we covered this last week, but um, with verse 13 of chapter 2, um, Peter says, uh, for the Lord's sake, accept the authority of every human institution. And and this was not a given, I think, for the mm. early church. This They were, at this point when Peter was writing, either in a period of, of deep persecution or, or about to enter in, where human institutions, particularly governmental institutions, would not seem like things that they should accept the authority of. These are the mm. people who are sentencing Christians to death for nothing more than the choice they've made in following Jesus as Lord. And yet Peter goes on to say, fear God, honor the emperor. Um, and, and so, and that's in, in chapter verse 17 of chapter mm. two. And, and so it's with that in mind, this, this idea of institutions, however imperfect are things that are established by God. Um, that we should kind of lean into in order to redeem that, that I try mm. to read mm. um, the back part of chapter two and the beginning of chapter three. Mm -hmm. um, there are other ways to read it, but that's like front and center in my mm -hmm. mind. Yeah, I think it's helpful. And, you know, to remember, like Peter is one of the, it certainly came, 
in, you know, is known for being impetuous and mm-hmm. forthright. And, uh, you know, he really challenged a lot of the institutions. So I think it's interesting to hear kind of the scope of his whole life narrative. And I feel like we, you know, it's, we hear some of the seasoned Peter right. in bringing this approach and understanding that, you know, yes, I think they're imperfect. Uh, and yet there's a place for human institutions. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, that they that human institutions in some sense also bear the image of God that um, maybe maybe not in the same way that we as individuals do. Um, but but certainly there's a role that institutions have to play in God's kingdom. And mm-hmm. one of those institutions that has been at play for much of history is that of slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're actually, I was listening to a podcast the other day that named um, for the last sort of hundred years, like we, and there is still slavery that happens, um, but we've been in the minority of history where mm. the expectation is that society will not have slaves mm. in it. And that's good. Like that's, that's progress. Um, but I think that for Peter, he's just understanding that this is part of the reality of the situation. He's not going to go and burn all of the institutions down, but he is going to use the institutions to make a point. Mm. And so while slavery might be terrible in terms of how it treats other fellow image bearers of God, I think that it is, it does help Peter to say, Hey, um, if you do what is right and you suffer for it, then you are being just like Jesus. Mm. And there's there's a redemptive quality in that, even if slavery itself can be talked about as truly wrong and, and, and problematic. Mm. That's true. Yeah. And I think it's important, you know, he says very clearly, like you as people of God, you are servants and live as free people. That's right. Right? So yes, honor the institution and yet also like un- be grounded in that reality that as people of god we are servants and we are free mm. absolutely um after dealing with slaves uh, and and masters he he goes and, and discusses wives and husbands in the beginning of of chapter three and this is um this is something that we, we don't always see churches making an argument for slavery using slaves and masters, but we do see churches building some theology around wives and husbands in maybe some harmful ways, particularly, you know, among our peer churches in the area. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, reading this can be hard, I would imagine. Right. Yeah. It's, um, I don't like it. I don't like mm-hmm. it at all, <laughs> to be honest. Right. Um, and it's hard. I think it's also tricky com- coming to it because I feel like, you know, am I making excuses for the text? Am I trying to defend Peter? I just kind of want to let it be what it is. But interestingly, like reading through in this week and for all of the, as the text came together, I felt like I could see more and more how so much of what he's talking about here has to do with like being grounded in our faith, finding freedom in our faith and, mm. and, uh, and living out of that kind of center of our identity, mm. uh, um, that that is what matters most. And so, you know, again, that's, I think I can hear in this too, I, well, you know, wives, yes, he does say husbands, um, have authority, um, and yet also like, you know, let the adornment of the inner self mm-hmm. be what matters and what matters most. And I think there's a lot of freedom in that. Again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with 
adorning oneself. I think it's fun to have style and fun mm. to have personality mm. and to express yourself in different ways. But I hear in this kind of a centrality of the essentials, what matters mm. most, most is, um, you know, is like our relationship with God and that we are precious and loved um, in God's sight mm. and that everything that comes out of that then is, you know, um, he wraps up in, in verse seven saying, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Mm. And I can just, you know, it just seems to me like in reading through this, so much of what Peter is um, admonishing and, and directing the people towards is a life of prayer, a life of devotion and a life in God. Mm. Uh, that's really good. I, I think I think you're you're spot on. I, I I think that Peter, if he were in our world today, he would take issue with folks who say, you know, you should just probably smile a little bit more. You know, yeah. I mean, I I, I have yeah. not heard that myself, but I've I've right. I've heard folks suggest that to to women in my life, and and I know that that can grind folks' gears. And I think that's oh, yeah. some of what Peter's hitting back mm. against with this idea of don't don't adorn yourselves outwardly like mm. that's not what's important right. if somebody tells you to smile more that's not that's not the point right mm. the point yeah. is how how does your life testify to the god mm -hmm. you serve mm -hmm. and that would have been i think radical in mm. his day where mm. women were thought of as second class citizens mm. as objects mm -hmm. um and, and you know you you as, as as a woman you would have been the, the the property of your father before becoming the property of your husband and, and to say that's not what gives you an identity right is is really radical right it and, is really important and really significant and like if we just read the text at face value like we we, we don't see that and it really like grinds mm -hmm. on us in ways that are right. that are harmful. right. I think, and that's preceding the talk, mm -hmm. the in verse seven, preceding the instruction about prayer. Um, I, one thing, frankly, I just really struggle with is you know it, where he says you know pay honor to the women as the weaker sex, mm -hmm. and that there's few places I really trust the translators mm -hmm. um, and in my training in exegesis and of the Greek language, I trust our, the translators deeply, but yeah. that's a place where I actually would love to get back into the Greek and look yeah. at what does weaker mean? Because it's, right. you know, it's qualifying um, that sense of identity in a way that what I just, what in the world could he possibly mean there? <laughs> I don't know, honestly. Do you, do you know, Pastor? I, no, I, I, I've, I've wondered about that. The, the only thing that I've, I've arrived at, I got a couple notes in front of me. Mm -hmm. Um, is that uh, one one way of, of reading that is is truly like straightforwardly that the average woman has less muscle mass generally mm, than the average man. True, sure. Um, and and culturally, oh, uh, women it's women have been reality. more vulnerable to mm -hmm. equal work with unequal pay, mm -hmm. um, and that the the weaker may not be a value statement, but it may be sort of a here's what here's what things. He just had things manifest in reality. Um, and that uh, because of that, weaker would be like the the, the more downtrodden. Mm. Um, I don't know if I've got a license in the Greek to be able to say that. Yeah, I'd be curious how where the modifiers are in the objects and how it works in that way. Um, 
we could probably yeah. talk about this the entire time and, and <laughs> not not get to a really good place. Um, there's there's a lot more that Peter has to say, and I hope that like this ten minutes of like digging into some of what's going on with household codes is helpful for mm-hmm. our listeners. Um, but this is like this is it can be a troublesome topic. Right. So if there are still questions that folks have, reach out to one of us. Absolutely, we're, we're and I'll just. It. Name, you know, to like, as he rounds out this chapter, I think it's relevant to say like, you know, um, men and women's roles in culture throughout history have, are, you know, it's rife with contention and struggle. Uh, It's, I, you know, I don't know that I can ever point to anything and say this is where it's like been lived out in a perfect, harmonious, equal standing. And so it seems appropriate then that he follows into this talk about suffering mm. and as a way to say like this is an, you know, household codes are made for the good and order of our cultures mm-hmm. and for our communities or can be used for that. And, um, and within our communities there in, within our lives, there is deep suffering and how do we live with that and find, find God in that suffering and how does God Mm. honor, you know, show up to, um, bring dignity to the struggles that we encounter and how do we find holiness in these places? And that's, that's a, it's a live question because it, that's going to change. It's going to be the same from age to age and it's also going to change from age to age. It's going to be tricky. I I think you've got this weird thing that Peter talks about uh, toward the end of chapter three about um, uh, Christ also went, uh, verse 19, Christ also went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison. Um, Speaking of suffering, right? And, and like, I have no idea what to do with that. Right. Whether that's whether that's Jesus coming down and making proclamation to us here on earth, whether that's the the, the harrowing of hell that mm. church tradition has, you know, Jesus in the tomb was busy uh, beating Satan up a little bit, which uh, which is you know kind of a fun tradition. Yeah, <laughs> and and preaching the good news to mm-hmm, those who, mm-hmm, who are in, in mm-hmm. prison. Um, but whatever it looks like, um, it's going to be salvation through the storm, mm-hmm. um, as, as Peter suggests, mm-hmm. like, like the story of Noah. Um, and that these these things are the reason that we can, going earlier in, in chapter 3, verse 15, that we can always be ready to make our defense to mm-hmm. anyone who demands an accounting for the mm-hmm. hope that we have and to do it with gentleness mm-hmm. and reverence. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be hard. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. And I have to say, I mean, there's almost nothing so compelling as to me as, to, as seeing someone um, in the midst of, of suffering mm. who, you know, just truly kind of embodies life with God, right? Yeah. That's, you know, those are the people I want to say, okay, tell me about that, right? right. <laughs> tell me, how is that going? Like, how is it? Tell me about how God is in your life. Tell me mm-hmm. about the strength you're finding. Tell me about how, um, how you're living day to day through these times. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's the, I think just a simple way of saying, you know, always be ready absolutely yeah yeah. and and if if we're suffering right there's multiple ways that we can be suffering you can be suffering because you're a christian which is Mm -hmm. what peter talks about Mm -hmm. here but you can also as as we look to chapter four you can also be suffering for a variety of other reasons um uh, in verse 15 you can suffer as a murderer um that's not good like like that's not suffering as a christian that's suffering because you were a jerk right you can suffer as a thief as or a mischief a maker and, and, <laughs> and that that idea and, of mischief maker i love that word 
and, and maybe maybe you were gonna highlight it too well yeah i just i also i'm with you i like it and it it takes you know we think about murdering and and being mm -hmm. a thief um oftentimes like well that's not i haven't murdered anyone right, right. um but it's really easy to access a word like mischief maker <laughs> yep i can identify and relate to that right and and, and but there is suffering in that, right? Like we right. heap trouble on ourselves as we stir things up and as we yes. as we create mischief. And and folks might not think of themselves as mischief makers until like and and this it's always dangerous to break stuff up into it, their compound words. Um, but mischief maker in the Greek is literally like if you break up the word, it's so, uh, one who appoints themselves bishop over another person's life. Whoa, that's interesting. Which is really, it's really quite interesting. It's like, if I'm trying to run your life, I'm trying to take some let control. me tell you what's yeah. good for you. Yeah. Oh. And, and, and we do that all the time. Maybe I should speak for myself. I, I do that all the time in ways that aren't helpful, that in ways where I'm trying to run mm. other people's lives mm. that I shouldn't be running. Mm. Um, and that's gonna, there's gonna mm. be suffering that comes along with that. And if you suffer like that, that's not a reason to rejoice. That's suffering. Yeah. Because yep. you're not yep. doing what yep. you should be doing. Which I think actually helps point to some of the pervasive kind of sense of equality all throughout this first mm. few chapters of this mm -hmm. book that, you know, that is, you know, God really desires us to worship God and to love others. Mm. Uh, and um, all of life is really about the journey of aligning our lives to those purposes. Mm. And it's when we take too much responsibility, right? We become a bishop of someone mm -hmm. else's life, mm -hmm. then it becomes trouble, right? right? That's really, it's not our job to do. Right. Not called to overfunction. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, there's so much. There um, is. Anything else from, from first Peter? We've totally skipped chapter five. Well, I would just come back to the end of chapter five and verse yeah. seven. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. I think there's a hymn, cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I really think all the conversation about authority, mischief, um, you know, suffering, uh, it, I think we're, you know, Peter is just again and again, mm -hmm. inviting the listener to, to, you know, to trust all of our lives into God's hands and to cast our anxiety. And that is, you know, essentially the definition of our prayer life, I feel like, right. Yeah. That it's coming in again and again to put in God's hands, um, those things that we need and feel and hope and dream of. And that's that process of faith. It's just a constant, um, you know, it's just a very, it's never static. We're mm. always, we're always learning and growing. I think that's absolutely right. No, I love, I love that that's where first Peter gets to, um, mm -hmm. because I think that there are many things to be anxious about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have True. someone who cares for True. us. Yep. All right, Second Peter. Yeah, Second Peter is is a slightly different animal than First mm. Peter. It uh, it feels very different to me. Um, and and tradition has it that they're both written by Peter, although Second Peter has some sort of higher language than First Peter mm -hmm. does. First Peter mm -hmm. is, is uh, and and Second Peter also there's a lot of overlap with Jude, which is why we're having Second Peter and Jude sort mm -hmm. of be part of this same week, uh, because there's there's a lot of similar ideas mm -hmm. to the point that mm -hmm. some commentators, some scholars think that one of them might have known about the other mm -hmm. and used some of that to sort of seed the letter, um, which we, we see regularly yep, in the New Testament. Absolutely. And it's still yeah. inspired scripture. Yep, that's right. 
But uh, I, I love um, in in Second Peter. There's there's one thing that that I always go to, um, and and that's the idea. And I'm gonna I have to find it here. Um, it's the idea that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years and a yes, thousand years are like one day. That's skipping uh-huh. like way to the end. So, well, um, so that's it's chapter the third three, chapter, yeah. Chapter three, verse eight. Uh, and that's, that's, it means, it's very meaningful to me because mm-hmm. God's timeline uh, can both be way faster than I want it mm-hmm. to be, right? A thousand years is like a day. But also, um, I think it was... Martin Luther King Jr., who, who talks about the moral arc of the universe being mm-hmm. long and bending mm-hmm. toward right. justice. Yep. yep. And that's, yeah, that the Lord is patient, not wanting mm-hmm. any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Mm-hmm. I think there are times that it's just so hard to wait. And it's so important to remember that, you know, our sense of time is different than God's timing. Right. And that, you know, it's God's patience and care. Mm-hmm. And, that helps me sometimes I, I, maybe I should say I need to hear that reminder more often than not. I think it's good. Um, I want to come back to that first chapter Mm -hmm. in the, um, fourth verse. I just love the end of the fourth verse where he, you know, it's kind Mm -hmm. of introduced himself and connected to the readers. Um, and then really kind of purpose statement in God's power has given us everything needed for life Mm -hmm. and godliness. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's just, that is a big statement and ending that verse saying we, all of this, that we might become participants of the divine nature. And I think that's a really important, you know, that word participants of the divine Mm -hmm. nature is really important because he's really saying we have, you know, God has given us what we need and that, you know, as participants of the divine nature, I mean, we have a very important calling in this world to be co-creators, Yes, right? We are not, passive we are participants mm-hmm. uh, and that's i think that's really exciting i love the way that the epistles are just so clear as to what we are to put off and what mm-hmm. we are to put on mm-hmm. and i think i've mentioned this in the podcast before but that's just a really helpful way yep. it's, it's the same idea of like we are freed from things mm-hmm. we are freed for things we are freed to stop doing things mm-hmm. we're freed to start doing mm-hmm. things um, and that doesn't mean that we're saved by what we don't do or what we do, but it means mm-hmm. that we are recreated and transformed yep. to yep. be participants in the divine nature. And that means that we will co-create mm-hmm. as opposed to being destroyers of creation. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks be to God. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's also just interesting to note that, um, you know, he says of himself um, in verse 14 that you know, he's beginning to, he's aware, he knows that his death will come soon. Mm-hmm. And yet a lot of this letter is written, you know, kind of urging them. They were that I think that early disciples were expecting and kind of impatient, wondering like, where, mm-hmm. where is the Christ? Why isn't he back? Like why, you know, we're, we're ready. We thought things were going to be wrapped up by this time. Right. And Peter both encourages them saying, you know, my, my time, my death is coming mm-hmm. and wait, right. Um, wait for his wait for the promise wait for the new heavens and the new earth and mm-hmm. um, you know a thousand uh, one day is like a thousand years mm-hmm. to the lord yeah. i am um... I love chapter one of second Peter. I love chapter three, but there's that pesky chapter two, <laughs> like in the middle where Peter's like false prophets, yep. bold and willful. They're not afraid to slander the glorious ones in, in, in verse 10. Mm-hmm. And he just keeps going about like how much 
he doesn't like these false prophets. And, and it's really like, you know, even verse 17, there, these are waterless springs misdriven by a storm. The deepest darkness has been reserved for them. These are these harsh are, words. These are strong, right? Yeah. And it's, it's almost as if like, there, there are some folks who, who really do undermine the work mm. of God and, and sometimes try to do it in God's name. They sometimes mm. don't even know that they're doing it. Um, but, but oftentimes those who do, um, like there's, there's no space for compromise in mm. that. Um, we need to insist not only on the peace and unity of the church, but also the purity of the church. Mm. And Peter's got a very clear vision of what mm. that looks like. And that can feel harsh. Mm. I don't know if I feel comfortable saying that about someone who's a fellow Christian leader. Mm, it's true. It, yeah, it's interesting because I think he has a lot of grace for the process of growth, right? right? And he yeah. seems to really, again and again, make clear that all of this is written for the, um, you know, for the growth and knowledge to the glory of God mm -hmm. and of Christians, and then draw also these very clear lines. Mm -hmm. Um, and cognizant of our time, one other note that I've mm -hmm. got on for Second Peter before we touch on Jude real briefly is I, I love that Peter, toward the end of his second letter, uh, in uh, 3 verse 15, talks about how Paul wrote and then in verse 16, there are some things in Paul's letters that are hard to understand. And ah, it's like, Peter, is, yep. if you inspired by uh -huh. God find Paul's uh -huh. letters hard to understand, thanks be to God. <laughs> good point. That's a very good point. Uh, um, anything else from from Second Peter before we move to Jude? You know, I liked in the second chapter when um, the nineteenth verse, at the end of that, it says, "People are slaves to whatever masters them," and it just made me think yeah. of John Calvin, who so often talked of idols as things um, that you know are, be, have mastery over us and that mm. we worship. And that I think we. Um, we don't talk about that a lot, mm. I think, in our daily life. And it's useful just to point out and to name like our, again, our purpose, like we are set free in Christ. And you know, Peter's saying very clearly, don't go back. Like a dog returns to its own vomit, as the Proverbs say, uh, um, you are set free. Mm. Identify those things that have a hold over you and have mastery over you and find freedom. So, so on to Jude. On to Jude. Pass the Johns. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we've, we've, we've covered Johns. No more love for us. Yeah. Um, but uh, Jude um, is thought to be, I think, Jesus' brother and, and James's brother. So this is someone who grew up probably in the shadows of, of his older half-brother, Jesus, and um, who uh, had, had a brother who also wrote an epistle. And, and this isn't necessarily written to a particular church, much like Peter's letters, mm -hmm. where it's written sort of like to, to combat the idolatry to some degree, like to remind folks, here's the faith that was delivered to you once for all, mm -hmm. uh, entrusted to the saints in, in chapter three, in verse three of Jude. Um, Jude is also very like partially encouraging and partially like directive, like exhortative. Mm -hmm. um, and and he's, he knows what he believes. Mm. Uh, which is really neat to, to see, again, that clear line. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It's just, I think, interesting. My big takeaway from Jude is just thinking through, as a lot of Second Peter did, they were very clear in naming, like, this is 
not helpful to the church. You know, <laughs> these are the things that are not helpful and don't, don't go that way. Right. Which, which is hard for me a little bit. I, I like when, when I'm, I want to point positively. Like I want right, to, uh, right. the, the, one, one of my, I went whitewater rafting once and our guide would always tell us that if you see me pointing and you can't hear me because you've got water churning in your ears, where I'm pointing is where I want you to go. And, and mm-hmm. Jude and Second Peter great, to some yeah. degree too, um, it kind of points at things not to do. They point at cautionary tales, which can be really helpful mm-hmm. provided that we know where we're supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And I think Jude does a pretty good job of using the the Hebrew Bible and the understanding that mm-hmm. uh, folks would have if they knew the, the Old Testament to point to not this but that, mm-hmm. um, not not the counterfeit but the real thing. Mm-hmm. That's a great um, that's a great way to think about it. The pointing and whitewater rafting, mm-hmm. and yeah, it is. I found it curious in both of these that they, you know, have a good knowledge of um, of their Hebrew history. Yeah. Well, better, yeah, we've we've done some uh, some good conversation, I, and I hope that it's been good for our listeners. Um, I'd love to just land on one final question: um, uh, What is God's good news for you from these texts of Scripture, Pastor Susan? You know, I think um, God's good news is that I see in in each of these texts, like this process of discipleship, that it is a process of being formed and finding faith and um, always, always being changed. What about for you, Pastor Joel? I love the idea that, um, uh, where was it? I saw it here. Um, it's in 1 Peter 4, 11, uh, that God may be glorified in all things. Mm. And, and there's a lot of stuff that is messy. Human life is messy and, and God ultimately desires to be glorified in it all. Amen. Thanks be to God. Well, nice work, everybody. Looking forward to seeing you next week. Sounds great. We'll see, we'll see you soon.